This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie. She once danced around my kitchen singing Wannabe by the Spice Girls into a cheap karaoke microphone. And here's Miranda, who once passed out cold while removing a diva cup. What happened to you earlier this week? I got a little bit of a message, like you might have had a mom fail. I did have a mom fail, and it wasn't related to the diva cup. That was a... prior mom fail from several years ago, which we should circle back. But I, okay, this is embarrassing, but this is a safe space. And I am just going to confess to you and all of our mayhem mamas what I did, which was very embarrassing. So it's Fisher's fall break and we were out of town. I need to preface it with that. We were out of town because it was a long weekend. So we went, you know, to visit family and we got back late Sunday night and of course, I sprang into action as I typically do on Sunday nights to pack the lunch and charge the Chromebook and put the shoes by the backpack and hang the coat up and do all the things and get everything ready and situated for the the chaos and hecticness of Monday morning. And I was successful. You just automatically went into full school night chore mode full school night preparation mode because it's what we do right we're just wired that way we can't help it we can't help that we're like this so we wake up of course brad you know gets the breakfast and does the stuff and then brad leaves for work and so then it's my turn to finish the getting ready of fisher and then load him up and take him to school so we're going and i get him in his jacket and we brush his teeth and we get his shoes on and we put on the backpack we go out to the car And as I'm driving out of the neighborhood, I'm like, I'm not seeing like the normal kids that are standing over here at the bus stop usually when I come by. You know, it's interesting the things that you observe that you don't notice that you're even observing. But I've done this so many times. I'm like, the kids that normally are standing right there are not there. And I I just thought, you know, it's cold this morning. Maybe they're waiting inside for the bus. It's It's getting chilly. It's yeah. like our first cold snap a it's little a bit. It's cold snap. It sure is. So I dismiss this. I drive on and I'm like, huh, there's not as many cars on the road as there normally are. Uh, and I keep going further down and the school's not far from my house. And I, I'm kind of telling myself if the if the flashy light for the school zone isn't on, there's a problem here. And sure enough, I get there and the school zone light is off and I'm beginning to realize, oh, shit, fall break included Monday. (laughs) So so I'm like, Fisher, buddy, you know, you you might not have school today, bro. And he's like, huh? So we we go on into the school parking lot just so I can qualm my anxieties and you know was there anyone there there was not a single not a single vehicle in the parking lot the lights are off the doors are locked and i thought well this is um this is how we're gonna do it today so you've got him (laughs) there with a packed lunch and backpack all of it oh he's ready to go baby he's ready to go (laughs) i mean at least you didn't let him get out of the car i guess I thought about that. I did not let him get out of the car, but that thought entered my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, like what if there was some careless parent that just 
dropped their kid off and like left him, you know, cause like he doesn't have a cell phone. He has no way of contacting me, like short of hiking the, the half a mile or oh, so no, on the busy be- road back <laughs> to my house and getting like run over by a truck. Yeah. It's like, this is a bad idea. So anyway, I call my husband cause I'm like, I have to, I'm working from home this morning, but I have a meeting out of the office this afternoon. I have to travel. And so I'm like, well, I can stay with him in the morning if you can get here late. And I call my husband and my husband, I'm telling you what, this man already handled it. He's like, Miranda, it's fall break. We paid for him to go to the after school program all day today. Oh my goodness. Well, kudos to your husband. Yeah. Because I mean, there's lots of husbands out there that wouldn't even know it was fall break. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how a lot of times Brad and I are reversed in those roles because he's the one who usually plans and handles things. And I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants trying to just hold everything together. But, you know, he he had it all done and we even had a conversation about it. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember us talking about getting him the full day, you know, because you have to pay extra and you have to do it in advance. And only right. Spots and right. You have so. to get a spot. OK. So you just forgot all about it. Sure did. Sure did. Yep. And I drove him to school with confidence on the day he was not supposed to be there. What we are talking about tonight, I'm super excited about because a while back we did the very breast episode. You remember that, right? I certain to do. Yes. So tonight we're going to circle back to this very important topic of breast health because, of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know we wanted to provide our wonderful listeners and Mayhem Mamas with some more information on this topic. So I'm excited to get started. I'm excited to get started. So how how are your boobies doing over there? Uh, well, I mean, it turns out they're okay. Not to turn this into my own personal uh, vent session, though, but oh, I'm, I'm having a disagreement with my insurance company. I see that. What's going on with that document you're holding up to the camera? As we've discussed, I am over the age of 40, so mm-hmm. I now go and get a annual mammogram. They yeah. recommend you start that at age 40. So I went and got that done a while back, and they saw something that shouldn't be there, which mm-hmm. is not a fun thing. You Never know? a good feeling. Never yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. So they referred me back, and the place where I went was very quick about getting me back in, which I really appreciated because yeah. that does a number on your mind. Right, like the longer you have to wait. Right. So they turned around real quick and got me right back in. And did a repeat mammogram, which let me tell you, ladies, in the past, I had heard people say, oh, yeah, mammograms are really uncomfortable. Well, I'm pretty well endowed in that area. So I've had several mammograms and I never thought that they were uncomfortable at all. I was like, oh, this is no big deal. This one was not great because apparently whatever they saw was like really near my chest wall. So they were like really pulling and squeezing. Yeah, they had to get in there. They got in there. Oof. But anyway, I had that. And then I had a ultrasound, which I feel like you've had to have. Did you have one or the other? Because you're not even old enough. Right. But they found something on my breasts, too, a couple of years ago. And they sent me for the mammogram. They didn't get the images they wanted from that. So then they sent me in for the ultrasound. And then they still had a hard time getting the images. And I wonder, because mine was kind of like on the left side and kind of close to my armpit. So it was kind of back in there too, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of, I was right side armpit. But so anyway, what's happened is now I've received all of these bills from the providers that mm-hmm. I saw. And of course, my insurance has paid nothing. And so I wrote them like a really nasty message saying that I wanted to dispute that they were not paying. And yeah. <laughs> I clearly don't understand enough about insurance, but here's what they're saying. Oh, they were not denied, but they fall under diagnostic services, which are subject to the deductible and outpatient copay. 
Therefore, we applied $115 to the copay and $259 to the deductible, but you owe the provider $374. That's really weird. I mean, because you're over 40, you're supposed to get a mammogram, it's supposed to be covered, but it sounds like they coded it differently. That's what's going on there? Yes. It's not considered a screening mammogram. It's now considered diagnostic services. Because they found something first and then they had to go and get images on what they found probably like your OBGYN ordered it that way instead of it just being like your regular preventative screening right because they can only do one of those a year which I'm not here to complain about the fact that I have insurance I consider myself lucky that I do have insurance and that I'm able to get these tests but I do have to vent a little bit and say that I think insurance is complete bullshit because what do I pay almost $400 a month a for? A month, right? Oh, my gosh. If you're only going to ta- put $115 towards the deductible. Yeah, yeah. Agreed 1,000%. Agreed 1,000%. We need 1, to throw that out <laughs> and start over. Like, we need why, something like, a little bit better than that. Yeah. It's agreed. like, I want you to take the $300 that I paid you last month and the, for the whole year before that where you paid for nothing and just pay these people please just put that towards that please and thank you yeah jesus but i have to say the fact that they even answered your question and like provided an explanation is is huge because i feel like a lot of companies would have just or providers would have continuously sent you a bill Mm -hmm. at least they provided an explanation i've Consider you lucky that you haven't received an angry email from me yet, but I can be quite compelling. <laughs> I, can, I can believe that for sure. Oh my goodness gracious. I can believe that. But anyway, all of that to say, everybody make sure that you're getting your mammograms if you need them, because what if that had been something? And I don't know about you, Miranda, but when you had to do all of that, did they do that all in the same day? Like, did they do the mammogram and then the ultrasound yeah did they put you in like a weird waiting room by yourself without a shirt on yes yes and that was you know pretty anxiety inducing because you know they had the mammogram images but she didn't seem too confident with the images she got so that's where she was like well we have to send you for an ultrasound and then i had to like wait there awkwardly shirtlessly until (laughs) until the ultrasound tech could see me and she still had a hard time getting the image so it was like pins and needles so much anxiety i was like really pretty stressed that day and yeah i was not in a good headspace no and neither was i and i was sent in this like weird waiting room with the like half shirt thing that they make you wear so i'm like sitting back there and it's like elevator music and the only thing on the walls is like and it actually was beautiful but it's a set of those like angel wings that you stand in front oh, of gosh. but they were like breast cancer <laughs> angel wings and oh, i'm sitting wow. there looking at them going okay that's heavy that's kind of heavy you know i'm just saying that's kind of (laughs) heavy i felt like it was a little heavy for the location i mean wow and then your mind kind of just gets away from you yeah it's easy for that to happen and i want to talk about that a little bit like in my section too because i feel like it, it is so common that there's going to be a situation where yes we have to go for a mammogram something shows up it's a little freaky it's a little bit scary and how do we deal with that you know so i want to yes well i look forward to hearing that but before we get to that i wanted to touch base on a few different things this is a bit of a hodgepodge and if you all want the full rundown refer back to the very breast episode do you remember what episode number that was? I think it was episode number six, the very breast episode. It was such a great episode. I actually listened to it earlier this week to kind of catch up for uh, today's discussion. But yep, it was episode six. Okay. Well, in that episode, I went through all of the different types of breast cancer and I went over a lot of statistics. So today, what I thought I would do was give us some positive news because I felt like that would be a good thing. Yes, it's 
always a good thing. Sidetracked venting about the insurance, but I guess that is a reality of American life, if we're, if we're being honest. I found this study that actually was just released on September 1st of this year, September 1st of 2023. So this is very current information. Hot off the presses, hot off the presses. I got this hot off the presses from the Harvard Health Letter. Oh, yes. The HHL. I subscribe. The HHL. But I'm I'm more or less just going to read you all this because this is some really good news. Encouraging news about breast cancer survival. Most women treated for early breast cancer are likely to become long-term survivors, according to a study that was initially published online in June of 2023. Now, this study was done by the British Medical Journal, or the BMJ, if you're on an initial basis with them. <laughs> In this particular study, researchers analyzed the health data of more than 512,000 British women who had been diagnosed with early breast cancer. So the requirements for it to be considered early is that the breast cancer was confined to one breast and possibly the lymph nodes under that arm. So we're talking, you're catching it early. You're catching it at like the mammogram that you had or the ultrasound that I had. You're catching it early. So between 1993, these people were diagnosed between 1993 and 2015. A majority of the women in the study were 50 or older, which that's just in keeping with the statistics that we've gone over. They were treated initially with surgery, and then they were followed up for 20 years. So it's a... uh, a longitudinal study. Very much so. Yeah. 20 years. That's a long time to follow some British ladies around. Yeah. For sure. Especially if there's 512,000 of them. 512,000, you say? Oh dear. Pour me a cup of tea. Scientists determined that the five-year risk of death from breast cancer fell from about 14%, and that was in women who were diagnosed in the 1990s, Uh to around 5% for women who were diagnosed later in the study. That's huge. It says, for example, among women diagnosed between 2010 and 2015, more than 6 in 10 had a five-year death risk of 3% or less. Wow. So it dropped dramatically. Now, this particular study was merely observational. And so it doesn't have like the science behind it, but they did track these people and they met the criteria for the study. Mm -hmm. So this isn't necessarily proving anything, but it is absolutely showing that in general, the death risk has decreased dramatically. Dramatically. Yeah. Which is super good news for all of us women out there. That is amazing. Now, the people who published this study, they speculate that better treatments, improved images, Mm -hmm. and increased breast cancer awareness and screenings are what has led to the better outcomes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's partially why we're talking about it here today. We all need to be aware. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So you said that study started in 1993 was when they started following these women? 1993 to 2015. Gotcha. So you think about how far we've come in treatment and prevention and awareness since then. That's huge. Absolutely. That's huge. And this is just in the UK. You know, it'd be really cool to see this study replicated or, you know, some similar data captured for for the US as well. For sure. Now, I did look, but I I thought that that information was so cool that I felt like I had to share that. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back, and this will be repeat of some information if you all listen to the Very Breast episode, but I thought it was important because, like I mentioned when I was explaining that study, that is specifically talking about breast cancer that's caught early. Yeah. So I wanted to review the early signs of breast cancer, just so you all are aware and it's fresh in your minds. A change in the size, shape, or contour of your breast. So if all of a sudden it's a whole different shape, that could be a bad thing. 
Yeah, it's looking kind of kind of weird over there. Like it looking used to look of... like a grapefruit, and now it kind of looks like a pear, <laughs> or <laughs> or sure. what, or a pair of titties. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> a mass or lump, of course, that's like the first thing that we think about. But mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, when they would talk about like, oh, check your breasts for lumps, I always was thinking like golf ball. I don't know why. Like that's just <laughs> where my head went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's good on that note, like when I, you know, started when I had breasts that I could start checking, it was like I could feel lumps like breasts are kind of lumpy when you get in there and start grabbing around. So it wasn't until somebody told me that it would feel hard and like a pee that I yes. was kind of like, oh, that's very different because I feel like I've got, you know, lumps on lumps on lumps on my lovely lady lumps over here. <laughs> a, a thousand percent. And same here. But yes, a lot of times and most often the lumps are this size of a pea, sometimes even smaller. And it is mm -hmm. a hard tip. Typically, it's a hard lump. Yeah. And have you had one before? Because that's what I have. No, I haven't had one, but I, after the first mammogram just recently came back mm. as something abnormal, you better believe I was like feeling all <laughs> around and I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing is so lumpy. Like it's lumpy everywhere. And right. then I'm like, then I'm like feeling the other one and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is too. But they it's said lumpy it was too. <laughs> they feel the same. So I have like a hardcore, like pea sized lump in my left breast. And that's what they were checking out. And I, we still don't know what it is, but they looked at it. They didn't have any concerns. It's just like, I guess, a little cyst in there. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you feel it if you want to. But it's, I, it's I, nice and hard and pea sized and it's just floating around over there. As, as long as as you had it checked out, I, I will trust their judgment on that. <laughs> Another thing is like thickening of your breasts. So like if part of your breast has like a different texture to it, they say that it's very normal for the texture of your breast to change like with your menstrual cycle. Yeah. But if it persists, like, you know, that feeling where everything feels like a just a big bag of rocks. Yeah. And it's just sore. Yeah. Goes away. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that feeling when you like stop breastfeeding. Yes. Yeah. But like not as intense as that. It's the same kind of thing. But if that persists, and it's not in keeping with your menstrual cycle, that can be a bad sign. A change in the look or feel of the skin on your breast or your nipple. They say dimpled, scaly, inflamed, any of those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Redness of your skin, an area that's distinctly different from any other area. So that's definitely a concern. Mm -hmm. And then it also lists on here a blood stained or clear fluid discharge from your nipple. I wanted to bring all of that up just because, like I said, this study focused specifically on early breast cancer. So we have to make sure we catch it early so we mm -hmm. can fall into those awesome numbers that I listed over there. Of course, go for routine mammograms. And if they call you back for another mammogram and or ultrasound, just be prepared for your insurance company to tell you that they're not <laughs> going to pay for all of it. Thanks a lot, insurance company. Jeez Louise. Right. Now, I did want to mention a couple other things that I came across in my research. I wasn't going to dive all the way back into the different types because I, you know, we did a we did a fairly good job of covering all of that in the very breast episode. You did, and I and I listened to it recently, and I remember them. So can I recap really quickly? <laughs> sure, recap okay. for us. Please. Okay, I'll do it. So you have your lobular, and you have the duct system. So you have like your milk factory, and then you have the little tubes that it goes from from the factory to your nipple. So that's the two 
main components. So you can have um, something that's called in situ, I think is what you called it, where it's just contained in either the duct or the lobular. But then you could also have it where it's infiltrating and that's where it's like leaching out of either your milk factory or your ductal thing. And I think you said the most common one is the infiltrating duct, but it's also like super treatable. But it was like over 80% of women have that type. And Mel's nodding. So I think that's what she was going to talk about. It's it's infiltrating (laughs) or invasive ductal carcinoma. And that does make up about 80% of cases of breast cancer. Which is crazy how much that is, right? But but the good news there is that, again, if with early detection and early treatment, it's pretty uh, pretty treatable. Absolutely. So what I wanted to just kind of touch on today is sort of our initial episode was sort of a general overview of treatments. And we're all familiar with kind of the classic treatments, the surgical intervention, the chemotherapy, the radiation. Those are things that are just such a part of our lives if we know anything about cancer. You know, we've heard of all of those things, not just for breast cancer, but for other types of cancer. That's that's typically how the process goes. We're, we're doing a surgery if we can. We're doing chemo, radiation, or both. Yeah. Well, in recent years, they have really come up with some additional therapies that are starting to become very common. And what happens with these, it gets very complicated. And I was trying to simplify it as best I could for us so that we could understand. They've gotten so specific in their cancer treatment that they're actually typing the cancers. So they Mm -hmm. genetically look at what that tumor consists of. And a lot of times in breast cancer, you will see something that's called HER2 positive Have Mm -hmm. you ever heard of that? I have, yeah. It's HER2 positive breast cancer. And what that is, is a breast cancer that tests positive for this particular protein, which Mm. is HER, but it stands for Human Epidermal Growth Factor Receptor 2. And that's a protein that actually promotes the growth of cancer cells. Oh, If they're positive for that, it makes them a more aggressive cancer because they have this protein that is encouraging them. The growth. Wow. The growth of of the tumor. So Mm. one of the things that they're able to use on those is what they call a targeted drug therapy. And that's using multiple medications to treat that very specific cancer. It's really interesting when you get into it, but it's also very complex and kind of hard to understand, honestly. So essentially, they're testing your cancer to figure out what exactly it consists of, what proteins it has, how it's working, and then they're making a mix of drugs that target that specific makeup of tumor. Oh, wow. Which is really cool that they're able to do that. The drugs that they're using that fall into this category all have like really hard names to say. Trastazumab. <laughs> Trastazumab, yes. Trastazumab, something like that. <laughs> I thought that that was really interesting and I had wondered what the HER2 positive was. So that's what it is. They're actually testing the protein within the cancer itself. And like going back to, you know, the article that you shared earlier, it's like, okay, well, obviously you're going to be more effective at treating it when you can identify what type it is and what's the, I guess the secret sauce, right? To come at that particular protein or combination or whatever it is that's gone wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. The more they know about the tumor, the better. And And there's a whole, there's all sorts of other things that they test for as well. Like, and I think that I covered that before, but some are very, some tumors are very receptive to hormones, Mm -hmm. different hormones in different women. So they're testing all of that as well. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to mention, and this is something that they're really coming into using 
in all cancers, but they are, it's just emerging in the area of breast cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And that's immunotherapy. And oh. that's where they're using our own immune systems mm -hmm. to fight the tumor. Wow. And that just blows my mind that that's a possibility. But these drugs stimulate a person's own immune system to recognize and destroy cancer cells more effectively. This article, which will be in our sources, says that the immune system normally uses certain checkpoint proteins to keep mm -hmm. the immune system in check, which can stop it from attacking cancer cells. So if they could figure out what the checkpoint protein is that's preventing our immune system from attacking the cancer cells, mm -hmm. then they can take that block off and the immune system will target the cancer cells. Wow. Which is really cool. Wow. And a lot of these can even be used to treat triple negative breast cancers, which those are some of the most aggressive and hard to treat types of breast cancer. Of course, they also have very hard names to say. Pembrolizumab. <laughs> All these mabs and nabs. They end in mab, but mab. <laughs> I think it's awesome how much progress they've made and how much they're paying attention to each specific person. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't go too deep into it, but I know back in the day, it was kind of like, oh, you have cancer here. Let's blast you with this chemotherapy exactly. yeah. that we use for all the cancers. Right. And, you know, if your particular tumor didn't have the right protein or didn't have the right hormone receptors, it wasn't going to do anything to it at all. And yeah. you were basically just making yourself real sick and not getting to the cancer. Right, right. Um, so I thought that those were some cool highlights of what I wanted to touch on. They're making a huge amount of progress when it comes to treatments for breast cancer. And as evidenced by the study that I shared, the survival rate is dramatically increasing. And those things are both good news. Definitely. And it all goes back to what you said at the very beginning, which is, the reason that we've seen so much progress, especially in these, you know, 512,000 women that were selected for the study was because they found it early. And it just goes back to early prevention, whatever we can do for our health, making sure we're going for those checkups and everything is really critical. Miranda, what were you going to tell us about? <laughs> well, let's let's shift gears a nip. And I want to... Oh, a nip, huh? A nip, just a nip. I have some jokes for you. Are they Laffy Taffy jokes? Yes. Oh. But, maybe, but maybe like grown-up Laffy Taffy jokes. Okay. Okay. All right. What, what kind of bees make milk? Boobies. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, they probably that probably wouldn't get by the Laffy Taffy. No, joke probably not. Committee. And I also have one for Halloween. Here's oh, a Halloween okay. themed one. What do you call a ghost's children? Boobies. <laughs> Boo, like B-O-O. -O, bees, boobies. Boobies. Like babies, but it's boobies. I got it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm it's, sorry. You should I, be. I couldn't not do it. I couldn't not do it. But I do just want to give a shout out to our listeners. If you haven't checked out episode six, the very breast episode, definitely go back and give it a listen. In addition to everything we're learning and talking about with breast cancer, we're also talking about breastfeeding. And I didn't want to talk about breastfeeding tonight because that seems off when we're talking about breast cancer. So I'm um, shifting gears and I'm I want to talk about kind of some things that we can do to help us make sure we're taking care of ourselves from a prevention and treatment standpoint. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. We could all use those. Definitely. And I'm trying to remember, but I think that you said the, the, the one type of cancer that's like the most common actually has a really successful five-year survival rate. And even like the article that you just shared just continues to show us that there's so much research going into the different ways to treat breast cancer, which is awesome. But I know that a lot of our listeners out there and probably 
a lot of women have had similar scares that we've had where you have to go in for a mammogram and get something checked out and then you get really freaked out. And I know for our experiences, nothing really nothing really went beyond like just the imaging. Like we didn't have to have a biopsy or anything like that done. I wanted to provide some tips on what we can do to make sure we're managing our anxiety, our expectations and our health. So uh, absolutely. that's what I got. I will say this, and I don't want to take away from anything that you're going to say, but once I got the abnormal results, like, I mean, they called me at like 4.30 the day I had been there, which is never, at least in my opinion, that's never a good sign. Yeah. And I, of course, went to immediate panic, you know? Right. Which I will admit that I am sort of extra sensitive to cancer because I lost a very good friend of mine who was diagnosed with a form of cancer that people our age did not get when we were 29. So, you know, I'm a science geek and I love to research stuff, but I know that it doesn't always apply. Because if you looked at the research, there's no reason she should have had that type of cancer. No. It wasn't breast cancer, but still, cancer is cancer nonetheless. But I started talking to people. That's what I do when I get anxious. I just start talking <laughs> to people, like random people sometimes. That's why, that's why we have a podcast, because we're just so anxious and we have to talk yeah, to all of these like, people. Uh, like about I started talking to people. <laughs> And I was really shocked at, uh, of all the people that I talked to, a majority of them had already been through that. Yep. Like, so I'm just saying, if you're a person who doesn't like to talk to other people and you're in a panic-inducing situation similar to this, maybe do talk to people. Because I think I talked to like five friends of mine, and four of them had been called back because something showed up on a screening mammogram. Wow, yeah. So it's really common. Mm -hmm. It's super common. And like, what's so funny is when I had my incident, I happened to mention it to one of my friends, and she was a little bit more shy and reserved, which we know. I am not. No, neither of us are that. Not at all. And she was going through the same thing. And it was like, like within the span of a couple of months, both of us had this same exact thing going on. So I know that a lot of us have experienced this or are going to experience it. Absolutely. So much good news out there. And one of the things that sticks out in my mind too, is where you taught us about the median age, you know, is, is typically going to be a little bit older and and we'll get Mm -hmm. into that a little bit. But yeah, it can be really hard. It can be really scary. So we want to make sure that we are managing all of that. And um, anyway, let's get started. So I found a really cool article from Cleveland Clinic. I know we love them. I know they're a good one. So they've got just like five easy tips here. And I really like these because they're all things that are within your control that you can work on. And they're all really linked to better health outcomes and lower risk of breast cancer. So let's dig into these. The very first one is actually to maintain a healthy weight. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of like getting older and finding cancer more often in women who are older, you know, you think about the activity levels and just, you know, after menopause, we typically gain a lot more fat tissue. And I Mm -hmm. think that's because of estrogen. So, again, when we think about the connection between breast cancer and estrogen, which we already know there's a link because we feel it every time we're PMSing Mm -hmm. and going through our cycles, estrogen-sensitive breast cancer tissues are exposed to more estrogen when when someone's overweight. So if you have more body fat, you tend to have more estrogen. That's exposing more breast cancer tissues to the estrogen in your body, which can stimulate growth and progression of breast cancer. So again, that's something else to to think about. And women who have a BMI of 30 or more, which is in the obesity range, typically are going to have a more advanced stage of breast cancer than women who have a BMI below 25. So weight is a pretty strong correlating factor here. 
Isn't that interesting? And I always think it's interesting when I, in my role for my job, I read a lot of medical records. Yes, you do. And a person is classified as obese, sometimes morbidly Morbid, obese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you'll look at them and they, they are not what you would classify as morbidly obese. Like as Americans, I think just in general, we kind of weigh a good bit more than we should in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times just a normal average person is technically obese by yeah. the medical definition. Yeah, that's a great point. So going by your actual BMI, your body mass index can be really helpful. And, you know, if that's something that's a concern, you know, obviously your doctor should be talking with you about that anyway, and setting some goals for you. Um, and there's lots of things that that you can do to kind of bring that BMI down. They also found that in breast cancer survivors, if they were obese, so obese breast cancer survivors had a greater risk of breast cancer coming back than women who were not obese, who were breast wow, cancer survivors. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's definitely linked. And I think it all comes back to the, the estrogen. I think it's all, you know, hormones, man, hormones are everything, right? So we yeah, got to make sure we're are. managing that very delicate balance, for sure. Uh, the second one here is exercising as a preventative measure, which kind of goes hand in hand with maintaining a healthy weight. So these are kind of two, two birds with one stone. Women who are physically active are 25% less likely to develop breast cancer than women who are not active. So we wow. know that regular exercise can be super helpful for just our general um, immune system function. It can keep obesity at bay and it actually lowers levels of estrogen and also of insulin. And you think too about the body's relationship with insulin and we learned about the mm -hmm. pancreas and blood sugar absorption and all of these kinds of things. Cortisol, which is your stress hormone. It's all linked together, people. So when we're out there and we're exercising, we're leveling off that system and, and keeping it keeping it happy. So with exercising too, it also improves your bone mass. And that's really important uh, for especially breast cancer survivors, especially ones who have undergone chemotherapy or endocrine yeah. therapy, because those treatments actually lower your bone density. So when you think about your, again, your risk and if there is any kind of family history, being active and paying attention to your bone density is also an important thing to keep in mind should you have to undergo any kind of treatments. And, you know, exercise is, is not, it's not rocket science. I think a lot of times, and I've been there too, it's like I set these little goals to exercise and then I don't <laughs> do what I'm yeah, supposed to do. Yeah, we, we all do that. <laughs> It's not great, but, you know, even if it's just walking and going for a walk, you know, really 30 minutes a day is all you need for like four days a week. And that's, that's really great, whether that's exercising or hopping on a bike or hopping on the elliptical and watching a trashy Netflix show, which is what I love to do, or going for a run and listening to a podcast, which is what Mel loves to do. Yes, it's really great to me. stay active. All right. Number three, and you're going to love this one, Melanie, <laughs> is stay hydrated. I do love that one. Did you see my new mug? Look how ridiculous this is. Is that one of those Stanley mugs? No, no. It's a knockoff Stanley? It, it actually outranked the Stanley on the wow. TikTok video that I watched. Whoa. 40 ounces of water. I say this also doubles as a personal defense item. Yeah, you could do some damage with that. I giant dare cup. someone to try to get me while I've got this bowl. <laughs> it's so funny. I saw this TikTok video of this girl getting into her car and she had like four drinks. And I'm like, that's how I feel every time I go anywhere. But it's like you have the Stanley cup, you have your Yeti with your coffee, you have like a jug of kombucha like in a jar <laughs> like y'all i carry a tote bag full of beverages to work <laughs> she's not lying 
<laughs> I have coworkers that come in with one cup and like one tiny little half bottle of water. And I'm like, <laughs> I would literally die. Like I wouldn't even make it to lunchtime. I, oh that is gosh. not enough hydration for me. <laughs> Well, you do a better job than I do because I drink coffee until about 930 and then I'll drink like either a kombucha or I just I'm not good about drinking water. And that's my problem. Maybe you need to get one of these. Bad wow, Zers, maybe so. So let's talk about staying hydrated and also eating a healthy, balanced diet. So we know fruits and vegetables are really great, but also and I didn't know this broccoli, cabbage, kale, watermelon, which I love, and whole grains are actually cancer-fighting foods. So they've found some evidence there that Melanie's most despised thing in the entire world, which is broccoli, <laughs> actually keeps I, the I mean, actually, <laughs> that whole list makes me cringe, except for whole grains. And I bet wow. it doesn't count if you only eat whole grains. What all did you say? Broccoli? Cabbage. Ew. Oh my gosh. I'm into cabbage. Kale, which I love. No. Watermelon, which I love. Uh-uh. Whole no. grains. I'm here for it. Whole grains I feel like I actually had like a kale, watermelon, and feta cheese salad over the summer. Oh was, my like, really gosh. Good. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> throw some broccoli on there and it's my nightmare oh my gosh well you're drinking enough water to offset all of this so the other thing that's really great is omega-3 fatty acids and those yes. are of course found in walnuts i feel like you're kind of a nut person i am not big on nuts but i love fish i love salmon is like i could eat it every day soybeans salmon. and pumpkin salmon. seeds salmon <laughs> salmonella so Make sure you aren't eating like a ton of sugars and fats that could pack on weight because then you're just battling, you know, the obesity thing we talked about and try to just better, you know, educate yourself about what you're eating. Try to be more conscientious. And again, you know, having that balance with a healthy meal plan and frequent exercise can be really great. And that's that's, you know, so hugely important. I will say even though I hate all of the things that you just listed, mm -hmm. every day that I work first thing in the morning, I make this shot of disgusting green. Oh, are you still on your green thing? I'm still on oh, it. Man. It's I start. That's how I start every day. I did and not know has, you were doing the green thing. That has broccoli and kale in it. Wow. And, and who knows what else, but you got to find ways that you can get it in. Spiralina. I'm still doing that shake thing also. Yeah, your cachava. I, I do that a few days a week for lunch, and that has a bunch of stuff in it, too, that I don't like. So there are ways, even if you don't like it, to make sure that you're getting it in. That's a great point. And if Mel can do it, you can do it. Because I have watched her drink that green thing, and it's mm -hmm. gross. And she, I did not know you were still on that. That's been yeah. several years in the making. Would you say years. four years? Maybe longer. Wow. That's impressive. I finally bought, like, the tub. Like, the big <laughs> one. You just get it, like, straight from the manufacturer. It in the straight from the manufacturer. In the super stack. I love it. <laughs> okay. Like, this next one, we're not going to like. Ugh. Oh. We were doing really good on all of these until we got to number four. Limit alcohol to one drink per day. One drink what per day. What if I have two drinks on just two days? I know, but like I, I feel like it's it's still not great. So this is the one I need to work on. Because most of the time, I'm not drinking one drink per day. I'm like you. I'm drinking two drinks two or three days a week. Typically. Or two to three drinks one or day. Two to three. You know, sometimes it's a rager and we just drink too much. But here's the problem with that. If you drink more than one alcoholic beverage per day, you're actually at an increased risk of developing breast cancer. And if you have three or more drinks per week after being diagnosed with breast cancer, you run a greater risk that it will come back if you've been Yikes. in a mission. So okay. it's really not great. And just a reminder, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of alcohol you're drinking. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I've tried to lie to myself and say, well, I just drink a beer and that's not as bad as liquor. Eh. 
a serving of an alcoholic drink could be 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, which I know you tend to maybe drink a little bit more than that, and one and a half ounces of hard liquor. <laughs> that is not a glass of wine, though. Like somebody go get the measurements and put five ounces of wine in a glass. You're going to be like, why did you give me a half a glass? You're going to be like, this is a nice sip of wine. Yeah. Oh, Come welcome on. to the wine tasting. Where's the rest of my glass? This is just the tasting five ounces. Okay. Five but, ounces all right. is nothing. Yeah. We can all do a little better. Moderation. We need, to, we need to do a little better there. I was at a bar the other night, which is yeah. a really rare statement. For that is really rare. Days. You never say that. I was at a bar. Wow. And they had... CBD seltzers. What? Okay. Yeah. Apparently wow. that's a thing now. Wow. I didn't get one. Maybe that's what we need. Cause I like, know, I'd be up for trying it. I want the chill, but not the hangover. You know what I mean? And I don't want the waking up in the middle of the night feeling like I could drink your entire Stanley cup of I'm so thirsty and my mouth is it so dry. It is not a Stanley Cup for the record. It is a simply modern. Okay. That maybe that's not even the right words, but it's not Stanley because I didn't jump on that bandwagon. Okay. <laughs> she says she indignantly takes another sip. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So that was number four. Now we're on number five, which is take your vitamins. Take your vitamins. I do. Vitamin D. I do too. I do a good job with my vitamins. Yeah. I guess they're in your green thing, aren't they? Well, yeah, but I also take an additional vitamin. Oh. I take lots of supplements these days. I don't know. I should maybe see a supplement supplement specialist to make sure I'm not <laughs> doubling up on the wrong things. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. You are an inspiration. You should share us share with us your supplement secrets because I'm lazy. I just take whatever's whatever they put in the cachava is what I'm getting these days. But I'm doing good. There's with a it. lot in there. I mean it's, you it's read a lot. that label. That's a lot. You're gonna be there for a long time once you start mm -hmm. reading that label. Buckle buckle up and settle in. So vitamin D is super important. This is very critical. Breast cancer survivors who have low vitamin D actually have a greater risk of disease recurrence and high vitamin D levels are linked to better survival rates. So they found a, a correlation there that seems to be a pretty strong. So the very best source of vitamin D is from the sun, which I love. I love to get my sunshine and go for my walks and spend some time outside. It's like my favorite thing to do. But if you're not getting a lot of daily sun, then you can actually be deficient in vitamin D and you need to maybe look at getting a supplement. And if you are like me and you're out in the sun, put some sunscreen on, put on some sunscreen. I know Melanie's looking at me like I need to remind everybody of that because you don't want to be trying to not get breast cancer and then end up with skin cancer. That, right. would, that would be a bad irony. So that's that's the tips aren't they great? okay those seem like really good tips just for healthy living in general yeah and they're all scientifically grounded and linked specifically to breast cancer so there's been enough research and studies done to show that these five things are correlated to better outcomes which That's is fantastic. Awesome. We love it. Now, before we wrap up on our second breast episode, it's, I guess it's the second breast episode. It's <laughs> not the very breast, but it's the second breast. It's the best we, it's the breast we could do. Okay. The breast we could do for sure. <laughs> we are tired. We We're trying to get these kiddos to school and they don't even have school. So <laughs> before we wrap up, I want to make sure that I put on my counseling hat for a little bit and kind of share something that I am trying to personally work on myself, but also I want to just encourage all of our listeners with, and that is the fact that like, we have to try so hard to focus our energy and attention to, to the things that we can control. Right. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, you and I both had these scares. We were waiting in that little waiting room with the bad elevator music and the creepy angel wings on the wall. And we're freaking out and our brain is spiraling. And that's not a good headspace to be in. 
there's always no. going to be a lot going on outside of our control that we can't change. So what we have to get in the habit of doing, and believe me, I'm working on this just as much as everybody else. We have to try to identify the things that we can impact and that we can change and make a difference and then let go of the things that we can't, right? And right. and try to just be at peace with, with the things that are outside of our control. And that looks different for everybody. But if you are in a place where you're feeling overwhelmed and there is a lot of stuff that's going on outside of your control and you are struggling to function because of it, that is called anxiety. And it's not great. And it's something that I know I've struggled with. Mel has probably had some issues there. And it's something we can get help with. So it's great to talk to a professional, great to talk to a friend, great to talk to somebody who can support you. And we just want to make sure that we say that because we know we can be that safe space for each other. And we want to make sure that everybody who listens to this podcast also has somebody that they feel they can reach out to and get that support when we get into those kinds of situations, because it can be like really scary and hard. But when you talk to your friends about it and you find out that four of your five friends have been there, all of a sudden you start to feel pretty comforted and like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I talk a lot more now than I did when I was younger. I feel like there was a time period in my life where like I wouldn't have mentioned that to anybody. But, you know, now I'll tell pretty much everyone. And honestly, <laughs> I think that helps with the anxiety. Like talk about it, you know? Yeah. I was talking about it in, in my office at work. And I mean, you don't have to share share in whatever spaces you feel comfortable sharing. At work, I shared that I had to go back and have this done and we had two other people in the office that had had that and a biopsy and you know, even more intervention than I had to have. Hmm. So we're all in this together. Don't make yourself an island and, and shut yourself off from everyone else. Let people in. Wow. Look at Melanie saying that. Oh my goodness. Because it's true. She, she did not talk a whole lot years ago when I first met her and it took her a long time to kind of open up to me. And now we are literally talking to hundreds of people who listen to this show every week. So that's kind of cool. Look at us. Look at you, Melanie. Look at us grow. Oh my gosh. Growth is so great. And I said this in the very breast episode and I'm going to say it again here. We've got to make sure we're filling our own tanks first, right? I'm telling you, we get into this cycle where we just go on autopilot. We're dropping our kid off at school. We're not thinking about all of these day in and day out things that overwhelm us. And when we're not practicing that good self-care and taking care of ourselves, we actually have less to give to our family and, and to our kiddos. So we've got to make sure that we are taking a good step forward in the direction that we need to go with a clear mind and just focused positive energy. That's what it's all about. Melanie, we have just had the the second breast episode that we've ever done. And it's been a joy and a treat. And I think we've titillated all of our listeners with rapturous tales of how we can just nip breast cancer in the bud. So what kind of spotlight do you have for us tonight? Firstly, I need to check in with you. Are you done with the puns or will there be more? You'll never know. You'll never know. Listen, this is the second breast episode, but I felt like it was important that we re-mention the spotlight from the very breast episode, <laughs> and that was the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Their website is www.bcrf.org. The BCRF is the largest private funder of breast cancer research worldwide, and they are also the highest rated breast cancer research organization in the country. Wow. They are doing tons and tons of things uh, to advance the world's most promising research. 
So check them out. There's all kinds of information that is linked from their website. A lot of my research that I found today actually came from clicking around on their website, but they really are working to do all of the, do all the advancing that needs to be done so that we can knock this out without having to worry about a five-year survival rate because hopefully everyone will survive. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I love that we're able to mention this organization not once but twice this season for the great work that they're doing. So check them out, ladies. Check them out. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com. Well, then you get to the other one and it's like Pembrolizumab. 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 <laughs> Can you Pembrolizumab. say the, the, the trabalazumab one again with your... Hold little... on. There, there's five <laughs> different ones of them. Oh, let me get it to you. Okay. Uh, well, if trastazumab isn't working, <laughs> then you can get trastazumab imstestine. Wow. Tratazmazab <laughs> Duroxtecan. Those are those are different conjugates of the same drug. But if those stop working altogether, then you can try the Pembrolizumab. 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 What is happening in the medicine naming world? Like <laughs> That probably means something to somebody, huh? Like, oh, if you're yeah. real smart, like that PIMB. They can break it all down. Yep. They can each, probably tell you what little it, syllable like, little has chart. a different meaning. 